Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Chris Mack with me. Chris is the CEO of Spokal. Spokal is an inbound marketing automation platform designed for small businesses and startups. Welcome. Hey, thanks, George. Great being here. Thank you for being here, Chris. Uh, can you give a, our audience an example of how someone you would use Spokal? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Spokal is a, yeah, a, a WordPress-specific inbound marketing automation platform, which is you know a big, huge mouthful. But basically, all it means is um, we've taken a whole ton of pieces that you'd otherwise have to piece together yourself manually after doing a ton of research and figuring it all out. So what are those pieces? Right. So you can um, maximize, for example, I mean, all right, let's back this up. Basically, once you've figured out what you need to do for online marketing in order to increase the traffic to your site, leads coming in and eventually customers, um, you can break it down into a few parts of the funnels. You've got top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. So top of the funnel is just about getting people to your website to begin with. And so for that, generally what you want to do is focus on something called SEO, which is basically just how to maximize your ranking in in Google um, and social media and also website referrals, so links from other websites to drive traffic because all three of those methods are are basically the the most efficient way, the the common way to drive traffic to your website. So we really help you focus on all three. In terms of SEO, you know, we've got the standard kind of keyword research suite of tools in there to help you focus on what's going to be most effective and ignore the kind of stuff that really you just be wasting your time trying to target for at the beginning. And then once you've got that, you've got, you know, real-time SEO analysis. So as you're writing your blog post, for example, it shows you, you know, as you're typing kind of what you can do to maximize your chances of ranking in Google um, and, and what maybe you shouldn't do. It'll also pump out stuff like open graph tags um, to maximize basically the um, what shows up in Google. So whilst it wouldn't change your ranking, it might affect the number of people who click on that link versus something else. And it also um, changes the default shares for Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we'll also automatically post to your social media properties um, based on your own custom schedule. So basically it just takes all that kind of stuff and sticks it all in one place. So you don't have to really think about it too much. You really just focus on creating the content that's valuable to your to your current customers, to your future customers, and you know to, to potential leads that might be coming in. So you can really focus on the, the creative and helpful aspect of this instead of, you know, the the technical SEO side and wondering what you should do and how you should do it. So it, it really just, you know, takes a, a bit of all that uh, learning off your Yeah, I think, I think the challenge for a lot of people, and these could be bloggers or just, you know, small businesses in general, is, uh, you know, they might have time to create content, but they don't have time to learn what SEO is and content promotion and syndication and all that other stuff. So exactly. does it mean that you kind of take out that whole part of, you know, figuring out what the heck I need to do? It's more like, you know, I get uh, I get your plug-in or your service, and then, you know, I don't have to think about that stuff. I can just write the content, and it's it's pretty much taken care of in a way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you're still going to get some benefit out of, out of learning, but you basically almost learn as you go because you can get started pretty much right away. There's a five-minute intro video, and, and literally people get started after watching that. And, and of course, you know, you'll after you've done that and you've written your first blog post, after you've written a few, you'll get better at it and you'll understand it a bit more. But 
Yeah, you're, you're right. You don't need to understand it all to get started and get started effectively. Um, because basically what we've, what we've done is take a whole bunch of best, best practices and stock them in the software for them. So, you know, as you're writing a blog post, it literally shows you, you know, what you can do. And then when you post it, it does a bunch of stuff for you automatically. So you don't even need to worry about it. So it does take a lot of that learning curve off your plate, um, which is great. And, you know, then it also, you know, a lot of people who are using the platform, uh, are agencies who are, you know, SEO experts who do know how to do all this kind of stuff. And for them, it's not a matter of, you know, this takes that off their plate. For them, it's just a matter of it's just so much faster for them. So they can, again, focus on the creative aspect and the aspect that that's really of value that, that you know, that the business owner themselves really needs to focus on because nobody knows their business better than they do. And so when they can answer, you know, if they can go into their inbox and look at all the questions people are asking them and then they can write blog posts about that, that's the kind of content that creates a ton of value. Because if you've got, you know, one or two customers asking questions about this thing, you've probably got 20 or 30 other people asking the same question sitting right behind who you know may never pick up the phone or send you an email but if you answer it on their blog then you're basically almost reading their mind and you know by by the very nature of doing that you're developing trust with them without even talking to them so you you're doing you know what a what a typical small business owner does already which is just trying to develop relationships and and trust with people but instead of doing it one-to-one you're doing it you know at scale so by the time they do actually pick up the phone or send you an email they already feel like they know you to a certain degree and so you're, you're going to get a much warmer uh, reception they're going to be much more open to what you have to say um, and so it makes it a much easier sell okay. um, ultimately so let's talk a little bit about uh, before uh, Spokal what, what was your business background or professional background prior to starting Spokal Uh, yeah. So I was for 10 years, I worked as a as a consultant, mostly to Fortune 500. So I've worked for, you know, Microsoft and American Express and General Motors and, and a couple other, um, you know, household names. And uh, I was a systems consultant. So basically, I, I'd usually go in uh, on a contract basis, usually whenever they had, you know, a problem that required my specific skill set or, um if you know they just were building out something big and they just hired you know a bunch of uh, consultants to try to build that out because they didn't have the capacity in house so you know for 10 years i i just basically spent my time working on a lot of different uh, computer related problems usually mostly in the the financial industry and um it, it, you know, it was it was uh, really exciting and, and very rewarding, and I learned a ton doing that for for several years. Um, and then it started to become kind of monotonous and a bit more repetitive. A lot of the problems that I was seeing were were the same problems over and over again, just in different organizations. And uh, a lot of them ended up being uh, related to uh, politics and the people involved rather than you mm-hmm. know, technical issues. And yeah. and uh, you know, it was getting to the point where where um, it was just getting frustrating because I'd seen the same patterns in, in several different organizations and, and I could tell them how it was going to result in, but, or, you know, that the basically, you know, certain things weren't going to succeed um, mm-hmm. unless, unless there was a change in a certain area. Um, but of course, you know, it's the first time they had hit these issues because they've always worked within that one organization. And so, um, you know, it was always a difficult sell and I, I never really enjoyed that aspect of it. So um, after 10 years, I, I, I quit doing that, and uh, then I traveled the world for a couple of years, and then I came back to Vancouver and uh, started Spokal. So Spokal is your first business, basically? 
Yeah, I had a I, I had a, a like a part time business um, several years ago. <laughs> it kind of started as a joke, but I actually started a, a dating website um, back in let's see, two thousand and one, two thousand and two oh, wow. maybe. Yeah, tell me so, about that. Yeah, that was just fun. You know, it was it was literally a joke. So what was happening is at the time, I was. Um, I was managing a development team, so I wasn't really getting to do any development work myself. And a brand new programming platform had just been released, and and I knew it was going to be really important, but I wasn't going to get the chance to to learn it in the in the current uh, job I was in. So um, I took it upon myself to learn it in my spare time, and uh, I learned best through projects. So I I just was trying to figure out, you know, just as a joke, uh, just just to learn this technology. You know, what's the the kind of tackiest, cheesiest thing I can think of to build? And uh, and dating website came to mind. So so I built a a dating website, just kind of you know a couple hours at night after work or whatever. And um, what was the platform? The new platform? It was uh, it was Microsoft.net. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you built a dating, and did it ever generate revenue? Yeah. So that's that's the best part about this whole story is it, it never intended to, right? But after I built it, I kind of wanted to get some people on it just to see where I'd made you know mistakes or whatnot. So I put uh, twenty pounds. I was living in the UK at the time. I put twenty pounds um, into Google AdWords, and uh, about a hundred people signed up. It was just a free site, right? And mm-hmm. um, and then after I you know I stopped running the ads, people kept still trickling in a little bit. Um, I found some errors, I fixed them, and then I wanted some more, you know, fresh blood on there. So I put another 20 pounds on AdWords, you know, another 100 people signed up, and it kind of started growing, and I, I thought it was really interesting. So I started charging the guys, but not the girls, and I, mm-hmm. I called it ladies' night every night. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, basically, people started paying for it, and I took every single penny that came in and put it right back into Google AdWords. Um, for the first few months, anyways, and uh, long story short, is within a year it grew to fifty thousand members and a uh, quarter million dollars in revenue, and that was just you know five hours a week type of thing working on that. And uh, what happened to that business? Well, I uh, I exited that business. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I it. So what you, happened you is sold I, it or just it, gave up on it? Well, it was interesting, right? So um, gave up on it is the is the right answer. However. By that point, it was making um, probably about let me see, I have to think this through, forty or fifty thousand dollars a month in revenue, and really the only expense, you know, the only significant expense was was um, the marketing budget in terms of AdWords and the other um, the other marketing that was out there. So really, I just killed the marketing on it, and um, and the revenue, of course, continued to come in for a few months um, before dying out. So in a way, it was uh, it was like a sale in terms of um, you know, I, I walked away from it nicely, mm-hmm. but um, it, the reason that I walked away from it was um, it, the the space was getting much more competitive um, mm-hmm. by that point, and I was really starting to spend a lot more time on the marketing side and having to find uh, more marketing channels. And the whole idea at the beginning was really it was a you know it was a it was just a a way to get familiar with the technology. And at the time, I was working a lot of hours in my consulting gig. And just decided that it, it, you know, it run its course. It had been fun, and I didn't mm. want to do it anymore. Okay. So talk about uh, the idea for Spokle. How did you come up with the idea um, for the business? Right. Um, so once I finished traveling and I got back to Vancouver, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my time. Um, so I, I actually almost bought a, a small um, web development studio. There was about five or six people who worked there and uh, they did really good um, 
graphic design work and, and web development work, they were very weak on um, marketing, marketing skills. And um, so that was, you know, one of the reasons I was looking at it is I just saw a lot of potential to, to grow this reasonably quickly because they had, you know, a, a large client base. They, they were well established. They had everything going for them, except they just lacked that, that online marketing skill set pretty much entirely. Um, so whilst researching the tools that we could use to help um, their existing clients and bring in new clients, you know, I went through the usual suspects, HubSpot and, and um, Raven tools and, and that kind of stuff. And none of them were what, what I was looking for. Um, HubSpot was, was, you know, very expensive and, um, Raven seemed great, but I really wanted a platform that the clients could use alongside, um, us as an agency. And the main reason is, um, no one knows their business better than, you know, than the business owner or the people who work in the business. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I firmly believe it's really important that, excuse me, even if an agency is, is taking the lead, even if they're doing and showing them how to, you know, even if they're managing their social media, even if they're creating their, their uh, editorial calendar for them, even if they're taking the lead on everything that they need to do. I think the, the small business owner or, or an employee or somebody who works in the business does need to uh, create content or at least be involved in the content creation process. Um, you know, even if it's just that they're being interviewed by, by the agency, that's, that's fine. But it really, like, they have that in-depth knowledge. They have the answer to the questions that people are really asking. Um, so, so for me, that's just an important component. And there was nothing out there that really allowed that. Um, and, and I was just looking at it thinking, you know, this is, a, this is an agency right here that, you know, has, they offer marketing services. They didn't know what they were doing. I mean, if you talk to these guys, their techniques were, you know, seven, eight, ten years out of date. It was, um, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. Um, and and these are guys who who live in the in the web space, right? So your average small mm-hmm. business owner, man, you can't keep up anymore. There's so many changes and everything moves so fast now that you know if if you want to continue running your own business and keep up with online marketing and everything that's changing on it, you better not be able to sleep. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. how you do it. And I just saw this, you know, problem effectively, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I and I saw the problem getting worse and worse over time. And, um, you know, basically I just started um, thinking about that more and more and more. And I started getting more excited about creating a solution to that problem than, than actually, you know, buying this business. And um, so, you know, then I, I, I decided not to and I decided to start Spokal instead. Yeah, and you started in 2012, right? Uh, yeah, the end of 2012, yeah. 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 And um, you have a co-founder, right? Uh, Alex, Alexander. Alex- Alexandra. So how did you two end up partnering? <laughs> um, so we um, we met. I, I'd actually started the company on my own before meeting her. Um, and we met in 2013. And uh, it was because we were working. I, I had initially started the company out of my uh, working out of my living room. So I'd worked out of my living room for a few months. And eventually after doing that, um, I, I I was going a little bit, you know, stir crazy. Frankly, I could go, you know, sometimes two three days without seeing an actual human being. Yeah, <sighs> yeah it's, it's hardcore. You know? um, so I um, just through coincidence at the time, I um, I found out about this, you know, little meetup group that these people that I had never met before were having about forming, you know, a technology startup um, co-working space, effectively in Vancouver. 
And uh, so I went to this meetup. They also had a keg, which was helpful. So went there and uh, met these guys. And I thought, you know, they they were just doing it as a test. So they only they had space. Someone had given them space for six weeks just to try this out to see if it worked, right? And uh, so they were looking for somebody willing to take a gamble. And uh, hell, uh, get me out of my living room for six weeks. That's fine by me. Um, so I signed up on the spot. And um, and anyways, that that was a huge success story because that's actually was the initial. Uh, it was called Hackot then, but it's now called Launch Academy. And now they have twelve thousand square feet of space, and they're you know a massive institution in Vancouver. Um, so you know that was that was the really early days of it. But that's where we met. So I worked out of there for probably two or three months when we were just you know quite uh, quite small, and there was only maybe ten or twelve companies working out of there. And then as they started to grow, um, Ski came in with another startup. Actually, she was working with another startup, um, and she came in and started working out of the space. And we um, basically we traded services. She needed some help with her with her IT stuff. She had one uh, software guy on our team, but he was uh, pretty junior. So she just needed uh, some help with um, something a little bit more complicated. And I needed some help with, um, with ironically enough, offline marketing, which was her background and she was very good at. So we basically just decided to trade services for a bit. So we actually ended up working together on different companies for probably a couple months there, ad hoc, you know, occasionally. And then her company um, basically went belly up, didn't work. So then I invited her to join me. That's great. And uh, would you recommend partnering with people? I mean, you guys have been working together for a while. Do you think it's the right move for, for startups? You know, it's, it's yeah, mostly, generally, like in, in general cases, absolutely, yeah. I mean, for us, it's it's been really useful because there's just no way I could have done everything on my own at the beginning. And especially, you know, with Ski and I, our skill sets are, are um, so opposite that it works out really, really well. But, you know, we have a, we, we, we both have the same kind of end vision and end goal and work ethic. So it works out well um, from that perspective. Um, but yeah, like for example, Ski can write, right? So she, she wrote almost all of our blog posts for the first um, a year and a half there, I guess. And, um, you know, I, I can't, um, not the way that she can. Mm-hmm. So for example, having her really go in and research and, and create all that content and create all the marketing for us, um, you know, it really made a big difference in terms of where our, our distribution and, and what people think of us, because, you know, I, that's not my skill set and I wouldn't have been able to do the mm-hmm. same job. So yeah, it's very complementary then to each other's skill sets, it sounds like. Yeah. And I, I think that's yeah. important. I mean, if you're both, I mean, the only way that if you had the same skill sets and it might work together is if you're both coders, I guess, because then you can you can build a lot of product, but you still need someone who can who can you know get that product out there. Um, yeah. So, so so let's talk about validating your idea. I mean, you <laughs> kind of explained that you scratch your own itch, right? You yep. were looking for something that wasn't yep. there, and you built the product. Have you done any kind of validation before you start to no, build it? No, you know, I, everyone talks about that, right? Like it's like a typical lean startup method. And the, the deeper I get into this, the more I think lean startup is just wrong, frankly. Um, oh, good. Tell yeah. me why. I, 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 you know, I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, it's. I don't want everybody to agree with everything, right? Yeah. So why is that? You, well, listen, my experience is I, I didn't validate, right? I, I saw a problem that I thought existed. Frankly, I, I did. <laughs> I was super stubborn because lots of people told me this would never work. Um, lots of investors, right? There's, there's not a lot of investors in Vancouver, and most of them are pretty small. But you know, the ones that we that I that I did um, talk about Spokal with were, were all almost unanimously against it. 
Um, so there was a lot of negative feedback to the idea of Spokal, um, certainly in the first year. And, uh, and frankly, there still is in a lot of cases because a lot of them don't like the small business market in general. Um, it's fickle. You know, people go out of business a lot and uh, it's hard to sell to. So and they want it to explode, right? Whatever they, yeah. in, in, you know, they, if it's not uh, B2C, they don't think it's going to explode. If it's not consumer or enterprise, they like either, but they don't like the small business market. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, th- so you know, I, I didn't do any validation just because I, I saw it. I, I believe strongly that there was a, a problem there to be solved. And um, I, I guess, you know, people could sit there and say that it, that it, wasn't going to work, but I just didn't believe them. So, um, yeah, my, my issue, I guess, with Lean Startup is is I, I, it kills me to think how many good ideas that get killed too early using a Lean Startup kind of model, right? Because, like, the reality is, is Spokal took a long time to get off the ground. You know, like, if you look at our – when I go through the spreadsheets and stuff and, and the charts – if you look at our first more than year now, I'd, I'd say year and a half, well, maybe not quite that long, but over a year, you know, our revenue was was embarrassing, frankly, um, and and flatlined as well, like really not showing any any signs of growth. And um, but you know, if you look at our our charts and our revenue now, it's it's exactly the opposite. And honestly, like I did. If if I had subscribed to the lean startup method, I would have, have had to have given up on this way before the growth started happening, you know. And I I think that almost all, with a few exceptions, right? I mean, you've got stuff like Groupon, which just you know takes off. There there are definitely you know rocket ships that just happen. But if you take away, you know, what what percentage of of businesses are those? I mean, it's going to be what fraction of a fraction of a fraction of one percent. So if, if you take away those massive outliers and you're left with the rest, you know, I'd hazard a bet that most of those really did take quite a while to get off the ground. I mean, even Airbnb, which is a rocket ship, I mean, they've got a famous story about it, right, where they, they were actually, I think it was three or four years before they even started to take off. Um, FreshBooks, same thing. I mean, two years. He worked on FreshBooks for two years. At the end of two years, he was uh, making $99 a month off of 10 yeah. customers. Um, I love FreshBooks too. Right? And now they have, I mean, this was, last time I checked, was probably a year ago, so they're probably way bigger than this now, but they had 5 million users last year. Um, yeah. You know, they're massive. They just raised $30 million. Um, it's funny, because even if I talk to like bloggers that make millions of dollars blogging, and I talk to them like the first two years, it's flatline. Yep. You know, I asked them, you know, and then it's kind of like a hockey stick. You yep. know, something happens or like a lot of things come together. Yep. But for the first couple of years, approximately, nothing really happens. Yep. I think there's a couple of reasons for that, right? I mean, one is, especially in blogging, because it's all about, you know, just SEO and getting enough content up there to actually build up. You really do need, I mean, we're seeing this now with, with all the blogs on the Spokal system. You can really see patterns emerge. And, and despite everyone saying it's all quality now and not quantity, uh, it's, it's just not true, <laughs> from, frankly, from, from what we can see. Um, you know, quantity is, and having that kind of that baseline of content behind you is still really important. So especially when it comes to bloggers, it's just you need the time, right, to, to create that body of work. But secondly, you know, in terms of businesses in general, you know, unless you're really smart or really lucky, probably both combined, uh, you know, or have done this before, you learn 
because you know what? You make mistakes. You know, we've made so many mistakes along the way. If we were to start again now, I'm sure we could accelerate that growth curve, you know, tremendously from what we've gone through. But the the point being is like you, you need to allocate that kind of time to learn. And and I think, you know, part of the lean startup thing is is it really I think it really appeals to the people who are coming into the startup world for the wrong reasons, right? So I think it appeals to the guys who are like, ooh, startups this new hot thing. Let's go start a startup, which I think is, you know, it's certainly one approach. But when I started Spokal, for example, I, I wasn't even aware of a, of a startup scene. Uh, you know, I, I started to create a business because I saw a problem and I thought we could, you know, I thought I could create a solution effectively. And then and then the whole idea of startups really started to permeate when I when I joined Launch Academy. Um, and then, I, you know, then they really started hyping up the whole thing. And then I understood, you know, just how large this startup um, mentality is, but I think if you if you go into it with that mentality, then you've got to go in with the lean um, startup as as a guide, because otherwise, how you know you could just end up wasting a ton of time on something that's not going to work. But if you've gone into it with a real um, itch, you know, to scratch, a real problem to solve that you really think you can solve, then I don't think the lean startup is a is a framework, um, a useful framework at all, frankly. It's a good perspective. I, I do appreciate it. Um, tell me how you got your first few customers. <laughs> um, let's see. Our first customer was actually a magician who, um, <laughs> yeah, who he actually performed at. Um, oh God, I can't remember what it was. Something we were we were presenting at, anyways. So we had a booth there, and he was performing performing at the um, at that. Um, like it was some startup thing, I can't remember. He was performing there anyways, and he walked by the booth, and we chatted to him, and he signed up on the spot, and <laughs> he was our first customer. Um, that was actually, you know, one of the one of the things we really screwed up at the start was uh, was uh, a, a huge fundamental part of our model. So we, um, you know, now we're a WordPress plugin. I mean, we're a SaaS platform, so you log into our platform, but it, we integrate with existing WordPress sites through a plugin. But when we started, um, our model was different. We didn't integrate with existing WordPress sites. We created self-hosted blogs. So you'd actually, you know, sign up for Spokal. We'd generate a blog for you, you know, on your domain. So it'd be blog.yourdomain.com. But it'd be a totally separate. Um, so why did you make that pivot? Because we were wrong, you know. So what happened was um, that well, we were wrong. I was wrong. That was completely my decision. Um, so initially. We thought, okay, well, we want to make everything easier for everybody, right? Especially like, you know, beginners. So they can just come in, create a site. They don't have to worry about that. They don't have to worry about hosting. They don't have to worry about security. They don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. And, um, but the problem is with that approach is that then the kind of people who were really um, interested in that and who that appealed to were, were total beginners, right? Were people who didn't understand anything about content marketing. And that content marketing is work. I mean, regardless of whether you're using a, a platform like Spokal, you still need to create the content. So there's still time and, and work involved, and there's no escaping that um, anymore. You know, the days of building they will come have been over for a few years now. Um, so the guys, we, we ironically had a lot more signups then than we do now, but our churn rate was was through the roof because they would they would join up play with it all, you know, blog once or twice, think it was fantastic, and then cancel a month or two later when they didn't get a whole bunch of leads in through the door, but, you know, they only blogged once. So mm -hmm. so we were getting the wrong type of person on there, and at the same time, I was turning away people 
who were looking at it who were you know a little bit more sophisticated in terms of their online knowledge, but they already had websites and they didn't really want to add a, a second one to the side of it. They wanted it to integrate with their own existing website. So we had the people who really understood the value of what we were providing and, and we were having to turn them away because they didn't want a standalone site. And then we had all sorts of people signing up who didn't understand the value really. And um, so we were catering to the wrong person. So we totally, um, let's see, we launched in January of 2013 and like to our first customers and we re- we realized that by March and we wrote, rewrote it all and relaunched in June 2013. Um, so in about six months you made that whole pivot. Yeah, from, from, from the time we launched to the time that we relaunched. Yeah, it was about six months. That's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Oh, to make man, that we, were, we were bleeding. I mean, it was ridiculous, right? Like we were, you know, people were coming in and... Uh, signing up and then leaving and there's nothing, nothing worse. There's no worse feeling so far um, than sitting there and, you know, watching cancellation requests come in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, my next question was, you know, how did your customers help sh- you shape Spokal? But that's you, what you just talked about. That's pretty much covers a lot of it. You know? Oh, yeah. And their their response, I mean, customers now drive so much of the feature requests and so much of where we're going, or at least help prioritize a lot of it. So how do you determine what's noise and what's a, a, a need for a change based on customer feedback? Do you have to hear it's, it over and over or like how do you make that call? It's tough, you know, right? So I, I don't know if there's, a, if there's actually, um, you know, a formula for that. What I do is, yeah, I mean, something I hear over and over again is a no-brainer because, I mean, that, that just means I've missed something entirely. So if, if people are saying the same thing, then, yeah, that gets, that gets moved right to the top of the list. Um, other than that, it's it's what fits within our long-term vision. I mean, we get we get lots of feature requests like you know that are all over the place, and some of them, you know, it, it, they make sense to the person who's who's requesting them, but they don't fit within our longer-term goals or visions. And so those you know those we won't do. Um, the other ones are, you know, someone will suggest something, and it's like you know there's been a couple so far where someone suggested, and it's just like wow, that is such a great idea. I can't believe I didn't think of it myself. Um, you know, and, and then it's just a matter of, okay, we're definitely going to do that. It's just a question of when. And, and frankly, the prioritization just comes down to looking at everything else in the list and, and figuring out where it should go. And that changes. Again, you know, if other people start coming back with the same thing, we'll, we'll start prioritizing it higher. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier that um, with the first version of, uh, of Spokal, there were people that would, like, sign up, and then a month or two later they would, like, cancel because, you know, no miracle happened, you know, yep. in, in two months. So if somebody signs up now, and, and if they, they do what they're supposed to do, you know, let's say they, they blog three times a week and, you know, they, they yep. do what they're supposed to, you know, is there some kind of, um, you know, I'm, and I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, like no, how no, long it's going question. to take, yep. but like what is a reasonable expectation for a small business that, yeah, you know what, what yep. I'm doing is making a difference. Yeah. Okay. So it, it really um, depends on, on what they consider making a difference. So some things in the platform have actually changed significantly. So because we, we did focus on adding value or, or um, you know, right out the box. So we've got a couple of additional features in there now that really help turbocharge things immediately. So, I mean, we actually have, I would say most customers that I'm aware of anyways, see a difference even in the first month now. 
um, you know, a, a small difference, not a huge difference, but but a small difference in terms of, you know, they'll get a bit more traffic. They'll usually get an extra, you know, couple leads and they'll usually sign up an extra client type of thing, depending on their services or what they're offering. But I would say, you know, for, for something to make a, a significant difference, um, three to six months is usually what I say. And that's mm-hmm. and that's with or without Spokal. I mean, frankly, uh, it, without Spokal, I think, it, you know, add a couple extra months to it. But um it's it's it really does take a while to start seeing that and and usually like if you're if you're committed and keep doing it by 12 months it'll make you know a significant difference to your business um mm-hmm. but all it really all depends on how you use it and how often you post and you know the, frankly what you're saying in those posts so if your posts are really helpful and useful or funny or engaging or for some other reason people enjoy reading them and and maybe even sharing them you're going to have a lot more success than, for example, if you hire a freelance writer out of, you know, Timbuktu for 50 bucks an article who's just writing some stuff to write some stuff so you can say you've got a blog post out. There's a really big difference between those two approaches. Um, so, yeah, I, three to six months. I mean, if you're not mm-hmm. seeing real results in three to six months, something's very wrong. Um, and yeah. I would say within 12 months, I mean, it, it should be making a, a sizable difference to your business. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. So, talk about uh, differentiation. How is Spokal differentiated in the market? You, you mentioned HubSpot earlier, and and you know some other things. I mean, I don't even know if there are a lot of competitors at this point. But um, what do you do to differentiate? Yeah, well, you know what? There's there's not. I mean, there's a there's a ton of. Um, this is part of the problem with this marketplace. It's still a it's still a bit of the wild west out there because it's so new. Um, so you've got tons of companies out there saying they're marketing automation, but you really have to look at their feature set to determine what they mean. So, for example, you know, I said earlier that we, we really have a, a focus around the top of the funnel, right? So if you have a website that is not generating much traffic right now, that, that needs to be your first priority is, is the top of the funnel and generating more traffic to your site. There's no point in trying to optimize your emails, for example, if you've mm-hmm. got a list of you know, 200 or something. It's just, it, it'd just be wasted time. Um, so most small businesses, that's where their problem is, is the top of funnel. They just don't have enough traffic. So a lot of the bigger solutions out there you know, really are, are geared towards larger sites that already have established traffic because they're much more about lead scoring and um, really maximizing their the efficiency of their sales team. So they, for example, will already have you know tons of traffic and, and lots of lead flow, but they're trying to prioritize the leads that uh, you know, are more likely to convert over the ones that aren't. And then ultimately put the guys that aren't likely to convert on a kind of different email cycle or content cycle um, to keep them kind of warm and keep them engaged so that, you know, as they become more likely to buy, they're still in their circle and, and top of mind. And then they can be switched into, you know, the, the more likely to buy um, cycle and be sent to the sales team. So so a lot of the the... the existing marketing automation software really is geared for that bottom of the funnel process, really around landing pages um, and email um, marketing and and optimizing that flow. And a lot of the new ones coming out are also focused on that. And, um, and and that's great. I mean, a lot of the more affordable solutions are are definitely in that space and and fantastic for, for those who have traffic, but if you don't um, kind of pointless. 
So then you're looking yeah. at the top of the funnel providers, and really, I mean, they're much more limited. There's much fewer of them because it's a much harder problem to solve. And HubSpot's by far the leader in that space, right? So they mm-hmm. they are definitely geared to. I mean, they've got top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, as does Spokal, um, but they're one of the few that really focuses on the top of funnel. And uh, so do we. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it's like even if you double your conversion with uh, zero orders, it doesn't make any right. difference. Yeah, right. Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, then you're just wasting time, right? Because you still need to, you know, if you want to optimize those emails, you've got to create, you know, at least two versions of each one and set up the flows. And so there's a, there's a lot of work involved and a lot more content creation involved, which is totally worth it if you have a, a, a decent sized list. But mm-hmm. until you do, it's just time that you're wasting effectively. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you improve your conversion rate from 1% to 1.2%, but, you know, you've got a 100 people on your list, you know, yeah. <laughs> 0.2 of a customer. I mean, it doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. Um, so so um, tell me, how many businesses are using Spokal today? Oh, yeah, we don't release that information just yet. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's just one of those weird, weird um, marketplaces right now. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so we're trying to stay under the radar in terms of how how big we are. And your uh, revenue model? Uh, typical like SaaS, so you come in and pay fifty bucks a month. Our our our, our bottom package is forty nine dollars a month. Um, mm-hmm. So you pay a monthly fee. Yeah. And so how do you set pricing? Because I've seen pricing, uh, you know, at like nineteen dollars back, you know, and then now I think it's forty nine dollars and up. So yep. are you just experimenting with different price points to see what what sticks or no, not really i mean we we did go through a phase of experimentation so the the nineteen dollar month plan is is was actually um a just one feature of the spokal um suite so it was just our twitter builder component um basically because we got a lot of requests for people who just wanted to to use that on additional accounts for example so we we actually split that one out and offered it as a separate product for a while and that one started at 19 but our our full service uh has never been less than 39 um mm-hmm. and uh, we've discontinued the twitter builder um only functionality um just because we we don't know how much longer that um, it's going to continue to be effective, and we would rather keep it for you know our our, our clients who have signed up for the whole the whole package. Um, so it's like it's extraordinarily effective right now. But if we if we open it up to you know thousands and thousands more people who are just paying 19 bucks a month, I'm not sure how how much. Um, I think we'd shorten the lifespan of its utility, basically. Um, you think it's uh, because of the changes Twitter is making to the platform, or I'm sorry. Do you think that's because the the changes Twitter is making to the platform and it's just too risky to sign up all those customers and then you know you'd have to like close down that whole side of the business if yeah that's the th- like you know with Twitter is always funny or any social media property really right because like, they're always trying to play a a delicate balancing game and so we're just trying to fit within that as well like in, in terms of you know our integration with Twitter is is really deep at this point I mean you can do a lot of things you can do competitor research on there and and um, obviously post your own posts and and, um, and then there's a Twitter builder functionality and then there's also you know a hashtag and retweet analysis to see what's performing best so we do quite a lot with the Twitter API um, but yeah if we if we stuck to just the Twitter builder stuff I you know. I just think it's it's yeah running a running a fine line there, and I'd rather stay on the on the right side of the line. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about marketing. What are the most effective marketing channels for you? 
you know what? All we do right now, uh, I wish I could tell you because um, we we really don't do any advertising at the moment. We've we've experimented a little, but um, all of our growth right now is is um, through three channels: uh, inbound, obviously, through our we use our own platform um, for that, and um, word of mouth and uh, agencies. So we actually are seeing a lot more agencies sign up now. Um, and then you know they're bringing in their their clients, so those are our, our three channels of growth right now. And uh, yeah, we're growing twenty thirty percent a month, uh, month over month. So it's it's working well. Um, in terms of paid marketing, we actually don't do any. We've experimented a little with uh, Facebook retargeting, um, a little bit on Facebook ads, you know, uh, here and there. We've we've played with stuff, um, but we've we've been. It sounds weird satisfied with our level of growth right now just because um you were also trying to excuse me develop the infrastructure in order to support more so um i i didn't want to throw you know a ton more people on the platform until we until we stabilize a few more things mm-hmm. um so the the growth has been uh, at a really good level for us to to kind of like find problems and fix them and, and get everything into um, a state where we are ready to, you know, really open up the floodgates. You have a pretty good Alexa ranking at like 80,000 or so. And, you know, are you doing a lot of SEO type of work to, to get uh, organic traffic to Spokal? Everything we do, just, just the standard Spokal stuff. So we do our keyword research through Spokal, and then as we write blog posts, um, we just optimize based on the SEO grader on the right-hand side. We don't do anything outside of, of uh, the Spokal tool set in terms of SEO, no. Okay, good. So you use your own tool, basically. Yeah, yeah we absolutely. <laughs> it's totally working use for those. you. Yeah. No, it's great. We were, our, we were absolutely our first customer. Um, yeah, we yeah. use our own tool for sure. So uh, earlier uh, you talked about making some mistakes. Can you talk about maybe the biggest mistake that you have made? Uh, oh, it was that one. It was, it was the, the hosted version versus the, the plug-in was absolutely our biggest mistake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could have saved probably six months there if we had, uh, if we had done it right the first time. Okay, sounds good. Uh, I just have a couple of more questions. Um, what do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? <sighs> oh man, people are going to hate this. Um, honestly, I think it's it's reading stuff like the Lean Startup, um, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 That's and really like, good. <laughs> and, no, uh, is, sorry, I shouldn't say that. It is a good book, and it's uh-huh. and it's worth reading because there are some really good insights in there. Uh, it's you just know, one perspective, right? Yeah, as long as as long as it's taken that way, and people tend to take it as gospel, um, I find, and I think that's where it becomes problematic. But you know, there's definitely some some. But there's some great takeaways from that book, so I, I, I was a bit tongue in cheek when I said that. But it, it's, it's, it's. But I really do believe, like startup events in general, um, you know, uh, general, you know, stuff like that can be a huge waste of time. Uh, trying to raise funding can be a huge waste of time. You know, I think there are entrepreneurs who are really good at raising money, but basically I categorize them into one or two camps. Hopefully they fit into one or two camps. They're either builders, um, you know, or talkers, right? And the talkers are usually good salespeople and good at raising money, um, but they generally can't code, or and they're generally not product people. And you've got the builders who who may or may not be coders, but they're the the product people, right? They see the they see the problem and they see how to solve it and they see kind of how things should work together. Um, so you know, you know the, the ultimate example of the builder is is someone like you know Steve Jobs for example or, or um, Elon Musk, um, but the the kind of startup founder who's maybe more of the 
the salesman type, you know, for those guys, it's probably worth going out and 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 spending the time raising money. But for someone who's a, who's more of a builder or a coder, um, so much time can be wasted on that um, that you'd be better off spending on building the product and getting people on it because then it just speaks for itself. So I think those things, you know, the the, the startup environment itself has become this weird. Uh, it's become bigger than itself, you know. It, it's it's just mm-hmm. kind of weird. I, it works for some people. Um, it's but I, and the only reason I guess I'm saying what I'm saying now is is you know if it doesn't work for you, um, so what? Just just um, keep building. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the most important skill for an entrepreneur to have? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> um, uh, let me think about that. R- resilience. I guess would probably be the most important skill. Um, yeah, you got to be like you, you take a lot of crap from a lot of people, and and not even necessarily you know meant that way. But you know, there's some tough days. You know, if you go and meet an investor and they tell you that it's you know a terrible idea, and then you come home and you've got three cancellations sitting in your inbox, and you know, like, there are definitely days where you're just like, wow, <laughs> this was the worst decision I've ever made. Um, you know, and then and then the flip side of that is you know then there's and it can literally be the next day or the next hour. I mean, sometimes, it, honestly, this is, it must be what it's like to be bipolar because there are some days that are just crazy, right? You just, you know, take hit after hit. And then, you know, for example, you'll get a call from an agency customer who's signing up, you know, 15 new clients. Or, you know, you get an awesome review on some, you know, on a on a blog or something about how awesome your product is or, you know, whatever. But it it, it is... Yeah, it's a, it's an emotional journey for sure. So resilience, I think, is is probably the most important um, skill set. It's good. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on uh, Success Harbor to share the story of Spokal. How can people find out more about Spokal or try it or or connect with you? Yeah, well, we've got a free 14-day trial, so really easy to try it out. Just go to uh, com, and there's all sorts of links on there on starting your free 14-day trial. There's um, a video on the How It Works page that kind of shows you uh, how it works, and there's tons of training videos once you're in the application itself. And once you're in there, we've got a great support system too, so you can ping us straight on there, and we can help you out with anything you need. So everybody out there, thank you for listening to Success Harbor and check out GetSpokal.com and say hi to Chris. Check out uh, Spokal. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye now.